This is the podcast from Connection Community Church for the Sunday, November 27th, 2011. Great Expectations, The Way. We actually have a, church, um, a house in our neighborhood that looks like that. Very decorated, just, whoa, ready for Christmas. Well, good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, we thank you for today, for all the blessings that you've so lavishly placed upon us. Lord, help us realize um, who you are and whose we are. Help us realize that each day is a gift that you give, that you cover us with your grace and that with your love. Almighty God, now open our hearts so that we might receive your word found in Scripture, so that we might be changed and transformed by it. We pray this in your most holy and precious name. And all of Connection Church said, Amen. So I was like um, eight years old, I think, like third grade, and... Um, we had come home from the service at church. It was our every year seven o'clock uh, Christmas Eve candlelight service, uh, and uh, you know one of those services where you intersperse the the readings of Scripture with the carols, and it brings you right up to the birth of Jesus. And um, I always love that service. And and but now we were home, and um, and it was time to settle down, and you know get in the jammies and get ready to go to sleep. So that, you know, what was going to happen the next morning, you'd be ready for. But there was only one problem. I couldn't get to sleep. Have you guys ever have a problem on Christmas Eve? Not being able to, maybe not now. Some of you wish you could get some sleep, I'm sure. But, man, when I, until I was like 12 or 13, that was a challenge every year. But this year was the worst. I mean, I still remember it was 3 o'clock in the morning, and I'm like wide awake. I'm reading this book. Now, this was 50 years ago, well, 49 years ago, and I still remember the name of the book, Slide, Danny, Slide. Isn't it a shame how we chew up our memory with stuff like that when we have important stuff waiting out here someplace? Anyway, Slide, Danny, Slide still didn't do it. I, I, I don't think I got any sleep that night, and I'm trying to think, why? Why was I so wide awake? And all I can figure is that I had some kind of great expectations, you know? Now, I'd love to say it's because I knew Jesus was coming, but I was eight years old. Come on, let's get real here. It was because something was coming that next morning. I don't remember now what it was, but I had, you know, I was looking forward to the Christmas morning, looking forward to, you know, it wasn't downstairs, it was on one floor, going out into the living room and, you know, magic happening. I had great expectations of what was to come. Christmas is our favorite time of year in the Jones house. We, our outside might not look like that, but our inside is pretty decked out. We just love to prepare and to get ready and, and to think about all the family time we're going to have together. This year is very, very special because as many of you know, our daughter Megan and son-in-law Ted and our two precious girls, Isabel and Adeline, moved to Houston in June, but they are coming home. We are so thankful. And so they'll be with us. And so we have a lot of family time planned so that we can be together. We have great expectations of the holidays. Yeah. So how about you? 
Do you have great expectations for this Christmas year? Are there people, family or friends, who yet you haven't seen for a while, who are you're going to have time with? Is Christmas dinner at your place and you have great expectations of feeding 20 gazillion people, all the family favorites, you know, that sort of thing? Maybe there's a special gift that you've bought for someone and you just can't wait to see them open it, can't wait to see the look on their face. Great expectations for how they're going to react or Maybe if you're like our house, um, in addition to all that holiday stuff, you have great expectations because any time we can focus on Jesus the way we do at Christmas, we know that good things are going to happen. And uh, we can't help but have great expectations when we're awaiting the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Great expectations. Great expectations and the birth of Christ have gone hand in hand for centuries, years upon years upon years. You see, for a long time, there was great expectations that a Savior would come, that the Messiah would come. In fact, that the Messiah would come in that little town of Bethlehem. The Old Testament scripture, the first part of the Bible, is filled absolutely filled with prophecies. There are words given by God to a prophet to share news. Now, sometimes the news wasn't so great, (laughs) but sometimes, and we'll focus on it today, the prophets were given words of hope. This is a time in the church year that we call Advent. Advent is a time from now until Christmas where we prepare, we prepare our hearts for Christ. So this is such a, a great time and opportunity that we have together as we look at great expectations that were told so long ago, centuries before the birth of Jesus. We're going to take a look at those prophecies as they relate to the birth of the Christ child. Mm. Today we're going to start with the prophet Isaiah, who lived and wrote around 700 years BC, 700 years before Christ. Now, with, as with true with many Old Testament prophecies, what Isaiah shared, this word that God gave him, had both an immediate prophetic focus. When I say immediate, I don't mean that day, but close, close. And then also a messianic or Jesus-centered prophetic focus. Um, here's what we're talking about. To make a long story short, the the more immediate focus, Isaiah lived um, at the time where there were, the the, the Hebrew people, there were two kingdoms. There was the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. Now, during his life, uh, in 722 B.C., the northern kingdom of Israel was conquered by Assyria. And that's the end of that kingdom until, I think it was 1948, I guess, that uh, Israel was reestablished. I mean, goodbye, the nation of Israel, 722 before Christ. Now, the southern kingdom, Judah, is still in existence at his time, but the people there are very far from God, which happens a lot in the Old Testament. They get close for a little time, then they get far from God for a long time. Close, far, well, this is a far time, and it's a long time. And, and part of this prophecy that God delivers to him is that sometime in the future, and we're talking well in the future, that's why it's prophetic, well in the future, what happened to the northern kingdom is going to happen in the south. 
And in fact, it comes to pass in 586 B.C. Now we're talking, he's living around 700. This is 586, over 100 years later. It comes to be when Babylon captures Jerusalem. And the way they did business, the way they took over the people is they took the best and the brightest and brought them back to their place. It's a heck of a way to cripple the enemy and to uh, uh, help your own cause, so to speak. And that's what they did. In fact, when you read in Scripture about Daniel and about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, in the fiery furnace, those guys are in Babylon because they were some of the best and brightest, and they got transported in the exile to this foreign land. Well, when we turn to the scripture to Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, we're focused on the 40th chapter today, and we see where God brings a message of hope through Isaiah, a message of hope to these exiled people. I mean, can you imagine how um, depressed and how lost they felt because they were not in their homeland, and so they were so lost. The really cool thing about the message that we're going to read that God gave Isaiah is it was given over a hundred years in advance of the exile. And that's a really important key thing. A hundred years in advance of the exile. And so here's what God shared to his people through Isaiah. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And so we have here, long in advance of the need, I mean, we always are in need of a message of hope, but long in advance of that exile which caused this severe need is this prophetic message of hope for these exiled people who are feeling fairly hopeless. A message of forgiveness for these people who through their distance from God through their sinfulness have been exiled, have been allowed to be conquered. A message of preparation telling the people to prepare the way for the Lord. It's a new day coming when in the desert where they'll be living and there's a highway for their Lord God. The challenges will be taken and once again they will be traveling with their Lord. What a great godly message for the people who've been feeling very far from God. And as Carrie said, so prophetic, so prophetic. After 40 years of exile, though, this message here again, it's prophetic because it comes to pass. Comfort my people, comfort my people. 40 years after the exile, the Babylonians are conquered by the Persians. And God uses the Persian leader, Cyrus, who doesn't even know, isn't even a believer in the Hebrew God. God uses Cyrus not only to free God's people and allow those who choose to return to Jerusalem, but this guy, pay, he has his government pay to help restore the temple 
that was destroyed by the Babylonians so many years before. God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. A message of hope. We see that in the scripture, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. This whole book is a message of hope. This whole book is a love letter written for each one of us by God. A love letter for us. We read in here where the message of hope, the coming Messiah, indeed was fulfilled. See, the Hebrew people waited a long, long time, hundreds of years, hoping, praying for the Redeemer, hoping, praying for the Messiah. And so we fast forward from the first part of the book to Luke. This part of the Bible, where we read that Luke uses the prophet Isaiah to share good news. Luke is looking back at what the prophetic word said. Not only the hope of of the return to Jerusalem from Babylon, but seeing the vision of the one who is going to come to redeem the world. Luke finds the voice in the wilderness, and we find out that that is John. His name is John the Baptizer. John. John is the mother, John's whose mother was Elizabeth. Elizabeth was the cousin of Mary, the mother of Jesus, thus making John a cousin of Jesus. Well, here's what Luke has to say. And keep in mind, when Luke is quoting Isaiah, he's quoting prophetic words that were written 700 years previous. We were talking about a 100-year prophecy. This is 700 years since it was first written. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went to all the country around the Jordan, <clears throat> preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, say it with me, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low, the crooked roads shall become straight, the rough made smooth, and all people will see God's salvation. And so it is John, John the baptizer, who goes before Jesus, and he is ready and he does tell anyone who will hear, prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare the way. It is through him, John says, that things will be made right. It is through him, John says, that the valleys will be filled in, the mountains will be made low, the crooked roads made straight, the rough smooth. You see that last sentence? And what? All people will see God's salvation. Let's say that again. And all people will see God's salvation. All people. That means that Jesus Christ didn't come for some people or for these people, but came for all people. That is good news. Amen. And those people had been waiting a long time for a, for a Savior, a long time for a 
Messiah. A Messiah means the anointed one. A long time for the Christ. Here's what Luke goes on to share in chapter 3. The people were waiting expectantly and all were wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork in his hand, he will have it in his hand to clear this threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed, say it with me, the good news to them. And so the people were waiting with great expectations. Waiting and waiting. They've been waiting for a very long time and they wondered if this man, John, was the Messiah. But John made it very clear, very clear indeed, that it was not he. That they had, these people did have great expectation, but it was John who pointed to the one who was coming. John cried out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. The way. Interesting wording, interesting concept. Later in his ministry, Jesus himself would tell his disciples that he, Jesus, was the way, the truth, and the life. And in the book of Acts, we see the apostle Paul speak of himself as a what? As a follower of the way. The one whose birth we celebrate this Christmas season was the one who they've been waiting for a long, long time with great expectations. Isaiah's prophecy that was first fulfilled in the return to Jerusalem of the Babylonians was later fulfilled in the person of Jesus, in the person of Jesus the Christ, the one whose birth we celebrate during this time of year. So what about you? Do you have great expectations for this Christmas? And what are they? Expectations of getting the perfect gift for everyone on your shopping list? Expectation of enjoying those Christmas treats that are part of the holiday every year in your house? Expectations of getting your decorating, shopping, wrapping, uh, finished in plenty of time so you can just sit back, relax, and enjoy the season? (laughs) Or how about this? Do you have great expectations of preparing your heart for the one who's coming? Do you have great expectations of straight paths for him into your heart? What are your spiritual expectations for this season? We would challenge you to prepare in a new way. I know if I spent half the time, a quarter of the time, preparing for Christ's birth that I do in in everything else I do for Christmas, it would be a different kind of year. I challenge each one of us to keep that reason, to keep the focus of Christmas, to open up your heart for the one who comes. Some of you have done that before. Some of you may not have done that. 
And so there's a prayer that we can say to just come before the Lord and invite Jesus in. The prayer would go something like this. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Lord, I know I can't save myself. I know that you, Jesus, are the Savior, and I need you. Please come into my life that I might be a new creation in you. How many of us want to be a new creation? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We do. Each one of us, wherever we are, whether we're here and we're kind of on the ledge just saying, okay, I'm going to check check this out, or whether we've you know jumped in the deep end years ago and we're walking it out with God, every single day we can pray a prayer in your own words, just asking Jesus to come in. Maybe today is the day for you. Maybe this is the season for you. And it starts with a prayer. Or maybe you already know Jesus. Praise the Lord. And, um, and so this holiday season is an, is an opportunity to receive him once again, perhaps in a new and different way. Isn't that one of the glories of Christmas is that when you know Christ, you get to experience kind of a, a newness each year, a, an expectate, great expectation for what he might bring to your life other than in addition to what already has been brought. Perhaps there are some hills and valleys in your heart that need to be leveled out a little bit. Perhaps the crooked roads in your life need to be made straight. Maybe some of the rough waves need to be made smooth. And maybe... uh, this season, you have great expectations that the uh, Jesus, the Christ, will be the one to help you with those challenges. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what Christmas could be? Could you imagine what today could be if we prepare our hearts for Christ? For Jesus to do Jesus' will and way for us and with us and to lead us. Can you imagine? Can you imagine those dark places where we've all been to never be quite so dark again? Can you imagine those places where we feel hopeless to be gone, where we have hope? He is the hope. Can you imagine those places in our lives where we're just challenged so much and we feel like we're spinning our wheels and things just are not working for us. Can you imagine saying, okay, Jesus, just take my life and lead me? What it could be like? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Jesus wants to come into your hearts today, either for the first time or for the hundredth time. Prepare the way for the Lord. That's what the prophet tells us, and we read that again in Luke. A challenge to each one of us to prepare our hearts 
for the Savior. Amen? Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you for your word found in Scripture, a word of hope, a word of peace, a word of mercy, a word of forgiveness, a word of healing. Thank you for your promise that there's no place where we are that you aren't. Thank you for your promise that you will love us no matter what. That there's nothing that we've done that causes you to love us any less. Precious Lord, we thank you for your mercy that is new every day. And now help us open our hands, open our hearts, open our minds with great expectations of walking each and every moment of each and every day with you. We pray this in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of Connection Church said, Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers. Thank you.